Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping provide some inside scoops on the life of our church. It is now the beginning of August, and uh, you know, around this time, we often start looking ahead to our kickoff season in September. But obviously, in the season of COVID-19, I think the most critical question that people are asking us about regarding the fall is whether we're reopening for our large group worship gatherings. And so today I thought I'd check in with our board chair, Joan Hyatt, and uh, chat about that a little bit with her. So Joan, say hi to everybody. Hi. And uh, just tell us how your summer's been going so far. You know what, Jeff? It's been pretty good. It's been a good mix of work and play. And um, yeah, all things being equal, it's been a great summer so far. And I've got half left, so I'm excited. Were you able to get away at all? I know that that's been one of the COVID challenges is there's kind of nowhere to go, but uh, maybe you've got friends with cottages or whatever. Yeah. Have you been away? We, You know what? We Last weekend, we got a four-day weekend because we, in fact, do have a friend who has a cottage down at Shirkston. So we were there for four days. And you're right. Um, our initial plan this summer was to head to my family home out in B.C., and clearly that's not happening. Yeah, I think there's a lot that's not happening, but it's nice if if you can get away a little bit. So good on you. That's great. Friends, friends with cottages are wonderful people. Yep, you're right. My friend sold his cottage, so I'm uh, out of luck. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, let's dive right in. And uh, you and I both know that churches were given the green light to reopen for large group worship gatherings at 30% of their worship facility capacity back at the end of June when our province moved to phase two. Uh, Can you remember back then and just talk a little bit from our board's perspective about our reaction to that permission? Yeah, um, the board was doing Zoom meetings back then and um, one of our uh, kind of immediate reactions was to ask some some questions about what that looked like precisely. But it was a pretty quick no, Jeff. Um, it didn't take us long to go, no, nah, that's that's not what we want to do right now. And I would say as as the person who sent the email communique out to to uh, let everyone know that we weren't going to be reopening anytime soon, Uh, We got a a lot of favorable response, but people still might be wondering, why didn't we reopen in late June? What were some of those initial reasons? Yeah, there were there were a fair number. Um, the the first one that I would say is we didn't reopen because we wanted to, to support our community and we didn't want to be a source of outbreak. And we just thought that at this time, it wasn't wise. There were a number of implications. We weren't going to be able to have everyone there. So it was like, who's gonna get to come? Who's not gonna get to come? We also realized that there would be no opportunity for kids. There would be no opportunity for nursery. Um, There was just an awful lot of good reasons to say no, not now. And, and what's interesting about that that I want to press into for all of our listeners today are some of those underlying values. Because I, I would say from my perspective, the, the values related to reopening, they're, they're kind of like the values around snowstorms 
And whether anyone's paid attention to this or not, it feels like in our church community, those values have changed pretty drastically over the last few years. Um, You know, you and I both been around for a while and I know that for years, you know, even if there was a drastic snowstorm, I don't even think the question got asked about whether we would be open or not. You know, you just, you just were open (laughs) and whoever was kind of committed enough or, or hardcore enough, you showed up and you got up early enough and you, you know, brushed your car off or plowed your driveway or whatever it took to kind of get there, even if there was just a handful of people there. But it was almost a badge of honor, Jeff. People were- yeah, yeah. Like there was sort of this reward of, you know, the, this identifies kind of the real hardcores. And, and over the last number of years, that's changed where now it feels like there's a risk reward value. And a lot of times when I'm in these conversations, you know, when, when weather is inclement, we're wondering what the risk is that we would put, put our volunteers under, let alone those who attend, in order to serve the smaller group of people who would attend. I mean, in a snowstorm, you're going to have a smaller group of people attend. And now we're considerate of the risk to be able to do that for that smaller audience. And I feel like those values kind of represent, without us really articulating them that way, they kind of represent the values around reopening in COVID, that there's a tremendous risk, like you said, of potentially infecting someone or becoming an outbreak spot or, or, or whatnot for what would obviously be a reduced crowd. And uh, outside of people who can't come or people who might be tentative or uncomfortable coming, I mean, one of the things that was worth saying that I didn't say in the communique was to appreciate that at the end of the June, you know, we're heading into the summer months of July and August. And even on the best of days, our attendance is dead. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if, if we're already dead and potentially going to be deader than dead, is it worth all this risk to serve a, a deader than dead, at least numerically, uh, a deader than dead population that's going to gather together? And it it just didn't feel worth it to us. Would you would you track with that? Sure. The the kind of thoughts that I would have is that number one, it was around safety. Number two, it would have been around inclusivity because we could have opened then and didn't want to because of the safety issue, but also didn't want to because we wanted to protect our staff, which is part of the responsibility of us as a board of elders. And we also were kind of really aware that we were looking at a small group of people who could attend as opposed to couldn't attend. And that didn't feel great either. And we'd had a great, good deal of success with the online services. So it wasn't like we didn't have an option. It just wasn't the option of attending in person. So, you know, knowing the end of June, province announces that we could reopen up to 30%. I I do know that some churches like reopened immediately or were eager to reopen or, uh, you know, created uh, kind of a pseudo reopening, maybe a watch party or something. Um, Why would you say some churches chose to reopen and and what are they valuing that maybe it doesn't feel like we're valuing or, or vice versa? Yeah, I'm. You know, I don't really know 
why or what those decisions were. I haven't had conversations with people, but I could speculate that for some churches, that's that Sunday is a very, very high value. And that's not to say it's not at Southridge, but it's not our only value. For people who attend churches where the bulk of their um, involvement is a Sunday morning event, it must have been very, very challenging not to have anything. And again, you know, we had great online services. And for some churches that was working and for others not so much. I think that we had kind of a bit of a advantage, I suppose, because we've used video and we understand video. So it wasn't new to the folks at Southridge to see something um, on a video screen rather than in person. Um, and you know, it was different because it wasn't with a group of people, but it certainly was um, an early advantage, I think. The other thing is, and I, you know, again, I don't know for other churches, but I think for some, there may have been some real financial concerns. If, if you're not at church and you're not getting a weekly collection, that's a really big challenge. Yeah, I would say both of those, the, the participation and, and finances are, are related to that primacy of the gathering. And uh, I would agree, I think, in some of the churches that I talk to, um, you know, how to, how to understand functioning as a church when you can't gather as a church. You know, some people are asking, well, how do you, how do you be the church if there's no church? And obviously we think about church a little bit differently and know that whether we're gathering or not, as important as it is to gather, as much as we value that as a spiritual gymnasium and see that gathering regularly as part of the early church in the Bible in Acts chapter two, uh, we know that that's only a means to an end and that there are greater ends that the church can can pursue. And we've been able to to kind of raise our game in pursuing those. So uh, I, I'm tracking with your, your thoughts there. Yeah, I um, think, Joe, sorry, Joe, one of the things that I heard one of the elders say was that he had driven by a church with a sign out front. You know how some churches have signs out front? And the church, the sign said church is closed. And, and I don't think Southridge has ever been closed. We're not meeting on Sunday mornings, but we recognize that church isn't a Sunday morning event. And I think that's that's the difference between us and perhaps some other churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least in emphasis of, of priority. So, uh, Joe, now in, our, in the recent weeks, our province has shifted to phase three, where a little bit more stuff is open uh, for public gatherings. Uh, as churches, we're still allowed to be open at 30 percent of our worship facility capacity. Can you comment as we look a little longer term at some other values that we might be considering as we're making this decision? Sure. One of one of the things that we have talked about and are very concerned for is that our church building, per se, particularly if we're thinking about Glenridge, is not just a place where we meet on Sunday, but it's also home to 55 individuals. And for us to open up for 250 people, you know, we talk about bubbles and, and they're still encouraging us to keep our bubble to 10. Um, having 55 people in a location is challenge enough 
But if you add another 250 people to that particular location, we run the risk of really putting 55 folks and the staff who work there at a much higher risk. And, and that's not of interest to us. Yeah, the, other, right. the other thing is, I will go back to what you said earlier, which is it's summer and um, it's your line is deader than dead on Sundays often anyway. And so the, the risk becomes a balancing act of is there enough need right now for us to put this risk in place for not just the people who attend, but the people who live there and the people in our community. Because once we leave that environment, we have the potential to spread this puppy. And yeah, we don't want yeah. to. Yeah. One of the values that, that I'd love to get your reaction to as well, that I know we've, we've talked about a bit, is, is just the whole reason why we gather. You know, the, the, the reason why we gather isn't just for content. And, you know, you already mentioned that our inspiration team has done a great job doing the, you know, we call it the pivot. They've, they've pivoted to now this online service format. And from a content perspective, you know, the, the worship content and the teaching content, the spiritual exercises and things like that, um, they're providing the content that a, a live gathering provides. Sure. But we both know that excuse me the 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 point of gathering at least the point of gathering in, in person is for way more than just the content that it's to be together <coughs> excuse me it's to interact with each other you know to shake hands to have a hug to be close to let kids engage with their small group leaders and it feels like if we're going to be restricted to observe physical distancing if you know kids aren't gonna have a place to go sure. yeah like what's that what what's that greeter in the parking lot gonna do what, what's that lobby gonna feel like especially with the city and the region's bylaws now that in indoor facilities that are public you have to wear a mask so right. you know we're just imagining this experience where 30 percent of people show up you know forget the cleaning protocols forget traffic protocols and managing washrooms and all that work but just think about the 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 nature of the gathering itself where we're going to wear masks we have to observe physical distancing we can't hug we can't shake hands we really can't be together in that sense i just can't help but feel like it would be profusely awkward and and actually kind of defeat the whole point of why we would gather and the warmth that we typically enjoy in the gift that God gives us in being each other together in that way. I think that leaving, like just, just in a picture in my head, leaving my car, putting on my mask, standing in a line six feet apart from people, trying not to be engaged so that I can walk into an auditorium so that I can sit in a separate seat apart from where I can't engage in music, where I can't engage in corporate prayer, and where I can't say, hi, how are you? And I can't have coffee. I want to stay home. I, 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 you know, I would, the social piece is really important. And this is where I think, you know, for a lot of folks, um, the lobby 
has presented that we, we did a, a virtual lobby for folks on the online. And for people who didn't have support and didn't have connections, that became a really valuable tool. And we can't even do that now if we show up in person unless we disregard the directions that we've been given, which would be foolish and irresponsible. And yeah, we're yeah. not doing that. That's not happening. Yes. Yeah, so so much of our gatherings are the halls, the lobbies, the cafes, and and the social connection. And for sure, I know that we've experienced this as a board who, as the restrictions have loosened, we've been able to gather in physically distanced ways. And I think you'd agree that it's been better to gather in person than online through Zoom. For sure. The difference, though, is... In our case, we've been able to gather outdoors. Yeah. And yeah. our group of 10 or our group of nine has been able to gather so far in some backyards without wearing masks. And we can, in our own lawn chairs and whatever, we can preserve the physical distancing. And it's good to be together and to be able to connect and socialize. But I, I don't know if that experience can get replicated in the larger format of up to 30% capacity. And I, I feel like if it can't be replicated, then it's then it's really not worth going through all of the effort for such a compromised experience, especially when you talk about the values that you've referred to already about safety and uh, you know respecting marginalization and wanting to be inclusive and things like that. It, it All of a sudden, the factors start to add up one on top of the other, don't they? The risk is the risk is very, very high, and it seems to me at least that the benefit is lower than you know is is worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you mentioned before the the dynamic of kids ministry. Talk about the role that that plays in our decision not to reopen. Oh, for sure, because we can't have you know um in, in this week we've this past week we've actually heard about schools reopening, and I'm listening to people be anxious for their kids because we know that little kids can't social distance, and we also know that there's some pretty good evidence that while kids don't seem to get as sick with this virus, they're pretty good at passing it along, and so as a result. We would not be having kids. Movers and shakers wouldn't happen. The nursery wouldn't happen. And yeah. I would I would suspect, and I don't know this for sure, I'll look forward to, we're going to talk about the survey, I hope, but I, I would look forward to hearing from parents. But my guess is that if I can't bring my child or my infant to church with me, I'm not coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and to that point, you know, I've talked to some people from churches that have attempted various versions of reopening. And in cases where people have kids, especially young kids, basically the way that, at least in these families that I've communicated with, the way that they've opted is for one parent to stay home with the kids and to permit one parent to attend the in-person gathering. But then the feedback of that one parent is, hey, I showed up, I had to wear a mask, I had to physically distance, so I had to be you know, six feet apart in the auditorium all by myself. This was actually the loneliest experience that I've ever had. I didn't like it. I, I can imagine that to be true. I, I, if I had small children, I would not be attending with my kids in a, a service because they're little and I wouldn't be going by myself. Yeah. yeah. I just don't now, see it. 
you used use the word survey, uh, so let's dive into that. Um, last week, we released a congregation-wide survey to try to solicit some feedback regarding reopening. Uh, so knowing that we've talked about it as a leadership, both when we went to phase two and now that we uh, shifted to phase three, uh, with this survey, what are we hoping to learn? Oh, there's a, there's a bunch of things we're hoping to learn, Jeff. We want to know, um, first of all, who's um, coming or who's interested in coming back to church and what would the criteria be for them to feel comfortable and safe? You know, we're, we're looking at what kinds of things they'd be interested in in terms of programming and how that could work. Um, you know, we, we're, we're talking about with them about the things that they value, depending on the survey, um, the two-minute survey looks more at demographics and interest in returning and the things that would get in the way or the obstacles that might get in the way. Um, the 10-minute one is actually looking at more details around kids and kids' ministry and you know whether or not the spiritual practices online have been helpful, the use of the online lobby, for example, um, and it gives the 10 minute one gives space for people to have individual feedback so that if there's something they really want us to know or understand that we haven't touched on that they can add. Yeah, you, uh, you mentioned these two surveys, so we'll talk about those in just a moment. For those listening, if you haven't filled one out and you want to go to southridgechurch.ca slash survey, uh, we would love to hear from you because I, at this point, I would say, I know how I feel and how I've been thinking about this, but I'd love to know how everyone else feels. Yes. And maybe I'm in the stark minority, but maybe I'm not. And maybe the vast majority are tracking with how I and how a number of us in leadership are thinking about this. And it would just be good to either confirm or, or challenge that one way or another. And so uh, we hope that everyone will participate in this survey and provide us our feedback. Uh, you, you mentioned that there is a two minute and a 10 minute, just to be clear that the, the two minute version is just straight up feedback on reopening. Would right. you like us to reopen? Would you attend if we reopened? Just questions like that. Yeah. Straight up, basic, you know, the 10-minute the version, as you described, is to try to get some input on how we've been doing in our various ministry areas in COVID and, uh, you know, just to get some insight from people's experience on how we could do better. Yeah, and it's important, Jeff, that we hear from people because, as you said, you know, there's there's a group of 10 of us at the board level and your leadership team and, and other staffers who have opinions, but it would be really great to hear from the church and from all three locations because I think there's some differences there. I, I you know, I when I think about... Um, for myself and for Dick, we're, you know, we're old. So we're in that high risk group and maybe going to church where there's, you know, fewer people in an environment like Welland or Vineland might be of interest to people. But when I look at Glenridge right now and understand that there's 250 people potentially in, in very, as we've said, awkward situations, but nonetheless there, 
um, it matters. So hearing from people in all three locations will be really, really important to us. Absolutely. And, you know, just so people realize their feedback will affect how things work. For sure. Right. If, if we hear it, because I would say this, we also know, you know, when you talked about the marginalization impact of reopening, that reopening essentially is a decision of privilege that may not consider some who can't or, or you know, are, are too ill or too immunocompromised or too you know, health threatened to be able to reopen. Not reopening marginalizes some people as well. For sure. And I, I gotta, I've got to at least share to get it on the record. I, I've talked to a number of people who are really, really eager, if not desperate to reopen because of the value that community provides and the aloneness that they're wrestling with. And they, they miss their church family. And yes, there are life groups. And yes, there are different uh, ways to socialize you know, without the large group gathering. But I know that there are a number of people who miss the large group gathering. And it would be great to hear from, from everyone in regards to how we're viewing uh, the reopening values around here as a whole community, not just as a as a handful in leadership. So, for sure, that would be great. Hey, uh, I know you touched on this uh, earlier, but I want to kind of close with this this uh, sort of piece when it comes to reopening values, because I think one of the things that's allowed us to be content without reopening is the missional nature of our church, and so you know. You've already described, but articulated again. Why does a missional church not need to reopen as urgently as maybe some other churches that are more attraction oriented? Well, Jeff, we we believe that our role is to impact and influence our community, and we can do that without Sunday services. Our desire. I, I think is to be other focused, not us focused. And so we can, we can say, you know, we can be a part of, you referenced life groups. We can be a part of still working in anchor causes in some restricted format for sure, but we can still do that. And missionally, we are about living a lifestyle of fully devoted followers and not just um, Sunday, but every other day of the week too. And so, you know, maybe it means connecting with our neighbors. Maybe it means being available to support other people. I, I think about the, um, the opportunity we've had during COVID to have people say what they need and other people be generously available to meet those needs. And that's an opportunity that, in fact, we haven't had or haven't used in the same way until now. So we don't need to open up Sunday morning to make that happen. Yeah, I, I, I heard one pastor knowing, you know, we're not the only missional church in the world. I heard another pastor yeah, okay. of, a, of, a, of a like-mindedness and a, a similar approach to church remind their people that, hey, our primary purpose isn't to assemble Christians. Our primary purpose is to serve our community. Yes. And if our primary purpose is to serve our community, then let's serve our community without infecting our community. Yeah. And, you know, that was some of the, the valuation around their decision to not reopen anytime soon, because, 
you know, rather than those risks that you talked about earlier, they actually want to focus on what their primary objective is, and that is to serve their surrounding community. And they believe that their online service can encourage and resource that uh, to a really effective degree. And I, I would agree that ours is doing a great job at that as well. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. I think ours has done um, that. You, you mentioned the, the need help, give help thing. Like, have you, have you seen Southridge being the church even though we haven't been able to go to church, give an example of that. Absolutely. I, I know people who had um, really early on lost both of their incomes um, to be able to, you know, just finance their household. And their groceries have been paid for for months. They're, they haven't bought groceries, but they've had groceries because people have been generous. I know that other folks have had people deliver their groceries to them because they can't get out or it would be highly dangerous for them to get out. So we've done that and I'm excited about it. I don't want to lose that. I want to keep that. You know, when yeah, when yeah. we get back to whatever this thing we call normal is, I want to keep that alive and well. Well, and you talk about the financial generosity. You know, what about the person who says, can we financially afford to delay reopening. Don't don't we need to gather to to be able to, to financially survive? What would you say to them? The answer is no, we do not need to gather to financially survive. And if you had the opportunity this past Sunday to listen to Jeff Martins talk about the fact that at right now, year over year, we are down 1% in our givings. That's a statement about the commitment that people who call Southridge home have made to continue to give. And, you know, our our staff, your staff, will be um, very, very careful about the way they spend because they have, they always are. But um, we, can, we can afford because people have understood that um, Sunday isn't the only time you give and giving isn't a, just a matter of if I'm there, I give. A lot of people, Jeff, have, have committed to online giving, have committed to direct deposit. And as a result, yes, we can continue and we can financially afford at this moment, as long as people right. continue that, um, we can afford to not reopen immediately. Yeah, not only have we been able to sustain our revenue, but like you said, we've been able to do these extra generous things, which yeah. has been really remarkable. And and from my perspective, uh, a huge encouragement. So everyone who's listening, way to go. Um, just so awesome to this point to be able to see that happen and for us to rise up as people, you know, predominantly in a more privileged part of the world, Behaving again like Jesus, relinquishing some of that privilege in order to lift up those of less privilege, you know, even from a financial perspective, it's been it's been super inspiring. So we're hoping that that continues to trend and uh, we'll continue to monitor that as one of the variables uh, that we consider. But Joan, uh, as we wrap things up, any final encouragements or challenges to all of our members and listeners when it comes to being the church during this unprecedented time of crisis? I would just want to say to people that um, being supportive, being caring, being connected isn't new to this pandemic. It's about who we are and how we are. Um, so at, like you, I would like to applaud the people who have been doing it. And I would like to encourage people to continue to do that. I think that as 
as a body, we need to be part of the solution. And so we need to um, kind of honor all of the guidelines that are out there for us from people who are far wiser than we are around this. And the other thing that Jeff would matter to me would be that kind of in a love beyond belief way, we wouldn't be busy judging. We wouldn't be busy judging people who have made decisions other than the ones we make. Um, I'm thinking about kids going back to school or not going back to school. And I'm thinking at this moment in time, I would not want to be a parent. I would not want to be a teacher. And I most certainly would not want to be a politician. But I am willing and will be praying for all of those because that's what that's what our job is, to love and to pray. And that hasn't changed and it's not going to. So and my only other add-on would be to say, hey, Southridge, um, fill in the survey. We need your input. That's great. And uh, I appreciate that final encouragement just to, to, to be gracious with each other. Yeah. Off on different political lines, eager to reopen, not eager to reopen, you know, whatever. Uh, let's let's use there are some situations I know you describe them as extra grace required. And uh, this tends to be one of them. So that's a great that's a great place to wrap up. Uh, Joan, thanks for being with us. And uh, thanks to all of you for joining in uh, again. We'll continue again next week in this journey of finding our way together. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.